Welcome to this special episode of West the Union, um, where today we're going to talk about the Advent season and uh, just all that we can enjoy and celebrate within it. And we've got my really great friend, the Reverend David Fuquay. Um, David is, uh, he's a great friend, actually, and I'm just really excited he's going to talk to us about Advent. So David, thanks for being with us today. Hope you're doing well. Um, And uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you're doing, a little bit about the family, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then, Derek, we go back 15 years. Um, Is it 15 years? Yeah, when I first came to Florida for uh, doing campus ministry at the University of Florida, which is a part of my story, of course. I was in campus ministry uh, uh, both at the University of Florida and then uh, working with our statewide Wesleys for for four or five years. So um, I am a pastor. I'm married to Anne, and um, we served together. That's what was kind of our dream when we got married in 2013 was to, to, to serve a church together. So we're in Ocala at First United Methodist Church uh, serving as co-pastors. And um, I'm really proud. I got a stepson, Michael, who's 16, a sophomore in high school. He is sophomore class president and is doing wonderful. And we're so good, so glad that he is, is thriving. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit about my family and, and who I am and what I am. I, you know, I felt called to ministry when I was 16. Um, and... And I have been living with this for a, for a long time uh, and serving and, and um, was ordained an elder when I was 27. And so that's 20 year anniversary, uh, which makes me old, I think is the short version of that. Uh, no, it makes you experience season. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's the word yes. I was looking for. Right, right. No doubt. Awesome. Wow. 15 years, David. I don't even know yeah, yeah. what to say. Um, so, David, so many of our listeners are uh, new to these conversations around the lectionary and liturgical celebrations. And maybe you just give us a brief word on the importance of the liturgical celebrations and liturgy as well. And the lectionary, just all of these things that kind of uh, give us meaning in our neck of the family of Jesus. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, how, how you think about liturgical celebrations does depend a little bit on your background. Uh, if you're someone who grew up in church, you might know what they are, but you may have never really understood why um, they're a part of what we do. And if you weren't a part of a liturgical church or no church at all, um, you're not even sure what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. what are these things? Uh, no less the why. But sometimes it's those who don't have a background in it who have better insights once they actually experience it uh, because they're more open to the experience, like, personally and, and firsthand. Uh, but you know what, marking, I'm thinking about these annual celebrations like Christmas, like Easter, it's a part of the human experience to to mark annual observances. We do that with birthdays. We do it with anniversaries. Uh, culturally, we do it with like Fourth of July, Memorial Day and Labor Day, President's Day, even Thanksgiving. Um, and, and even our culture, the non-Christian culture has appropriated our religious holidays. We've got the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and trick-or-treating on Halloween. These are all, obviously, they're Christian things, uh, but people just naturally like annual celebrations. And I think we do that and why they're important and why they developed in the Christian church, because um, uh, it gets us back in touch with something that we want to remember, I think, uh, something that we want to celebrate or renew, um, something that makes us feel connected to one another, as we do it together. Um, and also because no matter what it is, it's celebrating particular values or virtues that we wanna be in touch with. Mm-hmm. So 
we see that in our own life with like a, a wedding anniversary or with our birthday. Um, and if we take that understanding then to the church story, it's us connecting to our faith story in a new, unique way. Um, we have these liturgical celebrations because we are actually, as you go through the Christian year, you're reliving the story of Jesus from beginning to end. Um, we're told to conform our life to Christ. And one of the ways we can do that is following in Jesus's life story, uh, being shaped by it. Um, so birth, the living and teaching, the dying, the being raised, uh, the whole salvation story. We just don't proclaim the gospel. We actually reenact it when we give ourselves into these liturgical celebrations. So I think that's probably the, the biggest picture I could draw of, of why we have them to begin with. Um, I think it also helps us as Christians cut through the cultural appropriation. Um, mm -hmm. Like we know Christmas, uh, this gets us into Advent, is, is highly consumerist, highly secular in the way it's celebrated. Um, and that's fine. I don't mind telling people happy holidays. It doesn't always have to be Merry Christmas. But as a Christian, I need some strategy to make sure that I am entering into this mystery of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's actually why these things developed to begin with. Um, they came at a time when culture wasn't Christian. Uh, this is before Christianity was uh, adopted as the official religion of the Roman Empire. I mean, it's not that we were always persecuted, but we weren't in the majority. Mm -hmm. And so you needed a distinctive identity and practice. Um, I think the only other thing I thought of is, to me, it's also part of a healthy spiritual diet. Um, I mean, we need to praise, we need to pray, we need to confess and to sacrifice and to give and serve and witness. Um, but when we cut ourselves off from these expressions of worship, we're limiting our spiritual diet uh, and uh, limiting the ways we can connect to God. Uh, so um, I just think it's yet another way that we, I mean, it's practical. <laughs> if there's any possible way for God to be more alive in my life and for my life to become more Christ-like, man, sign me up. Uh, so uh, awesome. that's a, not a brief brief explanation of liturgical celebrations, but, um, you know, no, but I, I, I think you, you've, you've landed on so many like really cool points that could be thought through. I mean, even just the, 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 you know, the, the spiritual diet of a Christian, right? Like, you know, what it's, and, and I, I love to think about and often when I get to preach in congregations, I say that, um, you know, I, I, I love, one of the reasons I love the Christian calendar is because, um, yes, the world may tell me that it is this particular time of year, but I'm living off of a different calendar and I'm living, I'm living into a different rhythm. So yeah, it's Christmas time, but actually um, this is the season of preparation to get ready for Christmas, right? Um, and even in campus ministry, you remember this, it, it may be, you know, the end of the spring semester, but for us as followers of Jesus, this is actually the beginning of 
celebrating the resurrection and leaning into the empowerment of the church through the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, like that it changes our posture in the world and really sets the way that we engage the world um, in a way of being in it, but not of it. And that's, there's yeah. lots we could say. We're not going to go down that road today because we've got some very specific stuff to talk about Advent. So David, you can just take us into um, just introducing us to the season of Advent, you know, meaning and, and history and, and just sort of help us get our, our heads around this particular seasonal celebration. Absolutely. And, and this is where um, I love, this is why, one of the reasons I love campus ministry and young adults is because we're, we know we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I get, go down my rabbit holes and when I get uh, a little wonky, um, uh, I don't have to apologize. So thank you for letting me uh, have real conversations here. One of the yeah. things that, that blew my mind is, is when I actually studied how in the world do we end up with these things? Like, how did we get from the book of Acts and the disciples following Jesus to where we've got Advent? Um, and it starts actually first with, they began to think of Christian time and it started on a weekly basis uh, it took about 100 years until Sunday was fixed as the day of worship for Christians. Now, it was celebrated that way early on, but not by everybody and different contexts, but it was the Eucharist that fixed Sundays because it was the day Jesus rose from the dead, light from darkness, and they connected it to creation. On the first day, Sunday is the first day of the week, God said, let there be light. Mm. And on the first day of the week, we brought Jesus out of the grave, light of the world, overcoming darkness. Uh, so by, say, 130, 140, um, you know, 100 years into the Christian church, that was just assumed every first day of the week Christians worshipped. That was the beginning of Christian time. The Christian year developed much more slowly. Um, the first two things that we took was Passover and Pentecost. They were Jewish festivals that we were in Scripture and became a part of the early Christian church, just gave a new meaning. Uh, and then there was Epiphany, and no one really knows where Epiphany came from, um, but it was the third great festival in the first 100 years of the Christian faith. Uh, earliest accounts show that on Epiphany, they would uh, commemorate the birth of Jesus. They would, in other places, celebrate the baptism of Jesus. Um, they even would celebrate Jesus's first miracle uh, and the beginning of his ministry. Um, but those are the first three great ones, uh, Easter, um, Pentecost, and Epiphany, or, or Pascha, Passover. Wow. Uh, that's just in the second century. Uh, and they were single-day celebrations, uh, one day for each, and you would just do the whole story on those days. Within the next 100 years, they developed extensions from single days because that seemed insufficient. Like, we can't just step into Easter when the day before it wasn't Easter. We need more. time to prepare. Um, And so their first move was to say, well, let's celebrate Pentecost for 50 days, uh, because it means 50 days. So from Easter, the day of resurrection to the day of Pentecost was the season of Pentecost. Now, it's different now, of course. Lent uh, began that way. Um, Mm. Lent started actually earlier. It started on the day of Epiphany and went for 40 days because they celebrated the baptism of the Lord. What happened after Jesus' baptism? He went into the desert for 40 days. It started earlier in the year. It got shifted as a preparation time for Easter. All the baptisms were done on Easter. So this was people who converted to the faith, Lent prepared there for baptism. Um, And Advent developed like Lent, 
when you think of Lent, think of Advent because they both were developed as seasons of preparation uh, mm. for the great festival. The thing that I loved learning, it was that Christmas is what's new in all of this. And by new, I mean fourth century instead of like second century, right? Hmm. Um, it took a while for Christmas to catch on. We have some early accounts of a church in Rome celebrating this Christmas festival. Uh, 50 years later, someone wrote, why are people celebrating Christmas? We don't even know what that is. We have Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany is much older than Christmas. Uh, but once it was fixed on December 25th, um, Advent shifted back. So instead of Advent being preparation for Epiphany, it was uh, preparation for Christmas on the 25th. And then we had the 12 days of Christmas from Christmas Day until Epiphany. Um, so, and, and Epiphany became as it is now to represent the visit of the Magi. So we have these, these all that to say, we have these t- two great arcs, the nativity and the resurrection. And, um, and they, they all start with a season of preparation You've got a great festival day, and then you sort of have a coda on it. So you've got Lent, and then Easter, and then Pentecost. You've got Advent, Christmas, and then Epiphany. And it was just this yearly cycle um, that helps us relive um, the story of Jesus. It's um, it's remarkable to me that all of this was set and widely practiced by most Christians um, since the 4th century. That's the middle 300s. Uh, this is how long we've been doing this, which just blows my mind um, that we have that. Yeah. You know, so Advent is just one of those celebrations that I think, I mean, you were about to go that direction. It's like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll turn back on that. The Advent more than Lent uh, helps us reclaim Christmas for our faith mm-hmm. um, because it, is a season of preparation. And culturally, I mean, I'm going around Ocala, people already have Christmas lights up. It's not even Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, yeah. Uh, even in the age of COVID, yeah. we're going to start Christmas after, <laughs> after <Yeah>. Labor Day. <laughs> Just going to open it up. I mean, it's, yeah. a great, it's a great driver of our economy. Um, everybody loves the twinkle lights. Uh, they love the imagery of it all. Um, but for me, it's Advent is a strategy. And, you know, as a pastor, we preach it and we teach it and we know everybody's still going to do what they're going to do. Right. Um, but as an individual Christian who's looking to go deeper, it's not an either or. I mean, you can get wrapped up in the season and start hearing Christmas music right after Halloween. But you could still find, I tend to think of it as like a toehold um, or, or just, just a finger hold into something that's a little deeper, uh, that incarnation, that, that God became flesh, uh, mm-hmm. and dwell among us is, is one of our great mysteries of faith. Um, it, it, it is what it, and, and to find a way to cut through the sentiment and let everything else swirl around us, but find that holy hidden heart of it. Um, that's what Advent can help us do. Uh, if we if we kind of commit to that, yeah, um, not easy, uh, mm. kind of given what we're up against. But I think that's part of the gift that that is there for us. Um, and some of the things that you'll see in Advent that that have just and they, the, not all of our practices of Advent are as old as Advent itself. Um, but there's things that we're used to seeing that I love because it helps us mark time. So my favorite is the uh, the Advent wreath uh, with yeah. the four candles and the Christ candle. 
um, full of symbolism. Um, the, the evergreen part of it, evergreens have always been a symbol of, of everlasting life. Um, and um, the candles, obviously, with light in the darkness. Uh, but I love the countdown aspect of it. And so they don't always mean the same thing. Um, typically, we say, you know, week one is hope, week two is love, week three, which is sometimes the pink candle, is joy, also known as Mary's candle. Um, and then um, peace as the fourth Sunday with Christ candle lit, um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Um, I like that because it does slow us down mm. <laughs> each week to remember, you know, we haven't lit the Christ candle yet. Right, 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 right. I, early in my ministry, when I thought things really, really mattered, I used to steal the baby Jesus from the nativity scene that the churches would put up because I'm like, baby Jesus isn't born yet. Let's, let's wait till Christmas Eve to put Jesus out. And they would say, no, no, that's not the way we've always done it. So it would just sort of disappear for a few weeks. Yeah. Those were David's hardcore days. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I was a, a radical, yeah, uh, absolutely yeah. radical, dealing the baby Jesus. I'd give it back, you know. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, on Epiphany, would you give it back on Epiphany? Like, no, no, no. The I, presentation, the presentation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 12 days of Christmas, people, come on. Yeah, like, right? like we put right? lights. 12 days of Christmas, we put up lights on Halloween, but we have to take them down the day after Christmas. I mean, it's just getting started. Keep I will up. say there are some traditions, and it's hard to do this if you don't have a community to practice with you. Uh, but, you know, I've known a few churches and pastors as their leaders, different denominations, who literally will not put their Christmas tree up until Christmas Eve. And they don't start celebrating Christmas until Christmas Eve. They start Christmas Eve with a worship service. And then they go home and they decorate their home and they have their feast on Christmas Day and they actually celebrate 12 days of Christmas till Epiphany. That is countercultural, but faithful to what we're, the Christian calendar is calling us to do. Mm. Um, I like serving churches and would prefer a church to invite, you know, invite me back for another year. Or so I, I probably won't push that too hard. But I, I, when I see that, I think, okay, this is stepping into what a a possible way of living Christmas out in a way that isn't just the cultural version, uh, yeah. but is distinctive to our faith. Uh, and if everybody can't do it, I'm glad some can as a witness to us uh, because it, it always reminds me what this is supposed to be about. Mm. Awesome. So there's so much um, in this celebration of Advent, um, and 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 we definitely know that um, we Methodists are not the only ones who celebrate Advent. But I wonder if there are any uniquely Wesleyan or uniquely Methodist sort of perspectives or takes on Advent that might uh, be interesting and and add some meaning, uh, particularly for us. And, and most of the folks listening to these episodes are in the Wesleyan Methodist side of the family. So I'm wondering if there's anything particularly Methodist around Advent. You know, there's not, to my knowledge, anything that is like some Advent practice that we invented as Methodists. Mm -hmm. um, Lutherans were far more often able to... <laughs> create some of this, that great German background. Um, in fact, most of the things we do at Christmas culturally came from Germany. Um, and it's Queen Victoria's fault. She married a person 
Albert from Germany. Albert, and yes, yes. He's the one who made Albert. the Christmas trees popular and Yuletide, whatever. Uh, I love, I love the history part of it all. But a couple of the things as Wesleyans, one is that that we we kind of have, or John, John Wesley had what we might call practical divinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is this something that grows my love of God, uh, that draws me closer to Christ? Is this something that that is effective in my practice? And is it a good means of grace? And so mm-hmm. I think when you take that lens to all of the stuff we pack into Advent and Christmas and ask that question, um, it, it, it gives you, a, again, a good strategy to, to enter more deeply into it. Um, and so I, that's what I think of is, is, for me, the Advent wreath is a means of grace because I know I have to count down four weeks. It slows me down. And God can speak to me when I've slowed down a little bit. Um, the, the lights have a way that, that kind of draw me into, uh, you know, particularly when I can, I, you know, light a candle. And this is more of a personal practice than a church practice. But one of my practices in Advent really is just to light a candle and to pray with just the one candle. Uh, mm, there mm. and the flame it, there's a simplicity and a contemplation that that draws me to that it's a means of a way of experiencing god um the, uh, being in a beautifully decorated sanctuary um particularly when the lights are low and you got the candles up and then the twinkle lights and all that it, you feel something and it, it's more of um kind of an intuitive sense of god's presence it's why great cathedrals put us in awe um, it doesn't do that for everybody. It does that for me. And so just sitting in a sanctuary, worship actually at that point takes it away from me because it's too busy. I like the stillness before the service. Um, what is that for, for somebody else? Uh, you know, of all of these things, for others, it's the music that really drives them into it. Um, and absolutely gorgeous uh, Christmas music from, from genres for the last hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, you know, um, the other thing, you know, I, at one point I remember talking to folks about, uh, you know, things like Advent aren't in the Bible, so why do we practice it, right? I mean, that's, that's and it's a fair question. Um, and so I've actually used our Wesleyan quadrilateral to think about uh, um, Advent, really any liturgical season. But, but what are the scriptural justifications for having something like Advent? which draws you into Advent used to be 40 days. It's now four weeks. It started as a 40 days. And we've got how many 40 days? I mean, Jesus in the, in the wilderness for 40 days. You've got Moses leading the people through the wilderness for 40 years. You've got Elijah, 40 days. Uh, 40 is, is a holy season. Preparation has always been a part of our life of faith. Hmm. Um, and so that's scriptural, that you have a time to prepare uh, before God has something for you. Um, and then tradition, and that's where we get back to that. I mean, how many, if they started celebrating this stuff in the fourth century and we're still doing it now, and I think I can throw it out, what makes, that seems presumptuous to me. There's something there for me um, and for everyone if we're open to it. Uh, and so that tradition, and then I pay attention to why they started it. Um, what were they saying about it in the fourth century? What have they said about it since then? How has Advent spoken into the hearts of Christians? How has God used it? Um, I'm a part of that story, and mm-hmm. I want to continue that story. Part of the reasoning uh, behind it all, what's the reason? Um, and just knowing, again, for me, 
that preparation is often how God, God often does more for us in the preparation and in the moment. Um, right. You know, those 40 days, Jesus did amazing things in his ministry. What was God doing with Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness in terms of right. shaping him? Um, yeah. And then the experience of it is, is you know, how has God been made real uh, for me in the midst of that? Mm. Um, that's where it gets hard for folks who grew up with it. Uh, because it feels like we're just going through the motions and it just, sometimes it can just wash over us and we don't slow down. Um, but how can we be open to the experience uh, that all of the things we put in this bucket can can bring to us? Um, and, and, you know, my heart isn't strangely warmed in every single Advent service, uh, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, I do have a, a, a strong experience. Um, and nothing else, just Christmas Eve with people singing Silent Night with candles. Um, yeah. Something that simply uh, can, can make a difference. You know, I, so, um, it, when, you, when you're talking about Silent Night, I, um, I, I personally think about, for me, Christmas Eve, uh, which hasn't always been, I mean, it's been, it's been a holiday, definitely, but not a sacred day for me. But it became mm-hmm. sacred when I began to um, engage Advent, and all of a sudden, oh, wow. all of this preparation in my heart. Um, and some some years it was like heavy, like I'm gonna read this devotional every single day. And then other years it was I'm gonna just keep reminding myself that it's Advent and that's the season that I'm in. And so it's definitely a spectrum of observance. But that preparation really got me to a place where Christmas Eve could not just be um, this day right before Christmas Day anymore. Like I needed some kind of kind of thing from from all this preparation. And so I started going to Catholic Mass, um, Mm. Christmas Eve Mass, Midnight Mass. Um, And that really, it kind of bubbled up because I got to Christmas Eve. It's like, and also, you know, living and working in church, we do Christmas Eve services, which is not the same as um, no. necessarily observing something, you know, right? And we, that's a minute, that's being in ministry as part of our, our, our you know, yeah. walk in rhythm. But I started going to Midnight Mass um, on Christmas Eve. And, and you know, I, I'm toying with whether or not I'll go this year because of the age of COVID. And there's something in me that's like, I don't, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do because, the, the, and it's it it's not just Christmas Eve anymore, but it's literally these four weeks leading up. Like I need, and, and the word is need. I need this spiritual space leading up to Christmas Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, to keep it from becoming rote, to keep it from becoming just another holiday and I can bah humbug probably better than the most people because I'm a workaholic and I love it. And, and so it just, but all of that begins to shape and change me. And, and it's, and it's made this season that could be easily commercialized um, and could also be co-opted by other things. Um, uh, just how I'm feeling physically and it's turned it into something deeper and I, I, and that's for me that that journey of embracing Advent and letting it lead me to the manger, if you will, has been super life giving. Um, honestly, for the last, ooh, 
16 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's still giving. I, I'm not, I'm not over it. I'm not, Oh, right. you're going to do Advent again. I'm like, good. We get to do Advent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's, it's discipline. It really is. It's a discipline in our culture. And there are churches who don't observe it. They're singing Christmas from Thanksgiving day, all the way Christmas songs, all the way through. There is no waiting. Uh, that kind of, to me, gives in too much to the culture of not waiting. Mm -hmm. But I love how you talked about creating space. Uh, I think that's really what it does. Can you create in these practices room for God to work in your heart? Mm -hmm. And the slowing you down a little bit, um, opening you to mystery. I mean, that's what, a, a ma if you're not Catholic and you go to Catholic mass, I take my retreats at a Catholic retreat center because it's out of my tradition. I mean, mm -hmm. but it opens me to God's mystery in a different way than what I'm used to. And um, that's the beauty of it. Uh, I, you know, I've seen folks who've gotten a lot of meaning out of having a specific Advent uh, reading plan, reading, you know, lectionary text throughout Advent, just to create some space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and let scripture speak into their life. I've seen people, and again, this is in that group who are, waiting till Christmas to put up all their Christmas stuff uh, and Advent really is preparation. They do fasting, not the whole Advent, but they fast like you might in Lent during Advent. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anything more countercultural than fasting in December. During, yeah. Oh man, that, uh, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we got we to gotta walk before we run, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man, this has been so good. Um, and you just said so much that I think um, listeners will be able to sort of take and really reflect on. Is there anything else you want to say to young followers of Jesus who um, are curious about Advent? You know, never maybe they've never actually uh, observed it, celebrated it, or maybe they have, but it, it you know it it hasn't been as meaningful as they'd like. Is there anything you want to say to uh, the young listeners? Um, right now about Advent? Yeah, you know, I think um, if no one had, had really paid attention to it before um, and wants to get into it, the first thing I would do is tell them to find a, a group of some kind, a community to, to walk with them. It could just be a small group of their friends to say, let's covenant to do Advent together this year and, and discover it together. Mm. Um, partly because one, it gives some accountability uh, so that, that you're not walking alone. And particularly if you're not sure of the way you have people to walk with you uh, and, and to help each other through. And two, when you've experienced something new or you're trying to figure out what it is you're, you're looking for, hearing what other people are going experiencing, what did they hear in the text? What did they experience in the service? What does it mean to them? Opens that up for you. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I would encourage folks to, 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 you know, if you're going to do a, an Advent study or going to do a reading plan, do it with some other folks uh, so that you can share. Having the experience is meaningful. Being able to share the experience, I think, makes it even more real uh, when you have to put some words to, you know, how God might be working through uh, in our hearts. I think this year, um, you know, we're really focusing on the theme of light uh, here at Ocala First in the midst of darkness. We're experiencing a lot of darkness right now. Um, mm -hmm. We've lost church members to COVID. Uh, we haven't been able to worship together except outside uh, in person. And a lot of pain, a lot of political pain in our country right now, cultural pain, divisiveness. And yet we have a God of hope. 
we have a God of joy. We have a God of peace uh, and a God of love. And all of that is a, a form of light and darkness. And how can we receive that from God? And how can we share that with others? Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, that's all we're doing before we get to Christmas. I mean, that, that's a lot of work to do. So, um, you know, what, what might God have to share with you over these next, you know, four weeks getting into Advent? Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a journey. Think of yourself as, a, as a, one of the, the magi uh, going to see Jesus following a star. And it's a journey. Um, and what are you going to learn along the way before you get there? Awesome. Yeah. David, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us and uh, helping us think about this incredible season of Advent and um, just uh, give my love to your whole family. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, talking to you again. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you.